Good morning. If you have a Bible, please open that up to Matthew chapter 2 is where we're going to be. Matthew chapter 2. It's around page 960 in a pew Bible if you want to turn there. I'm so excited for our services this week and all that we have going on. This has been a fantastic advent and I'm anticipating just a a wonderful and joyful Christmas Eve Eve and Christmas Eve and Christmas Day services. So thank you for being a part of that. And just so you know, I remember a couple of years ago, the first time Hannah shared the story with me in Egypt uh, about what had happened to her daughter and how God had uh, just placed a burden on her heart uh, to take care of orphans and people who've been ladies who've been kicked out on the street. And I really want everybody to be a part of this. And so um, a part of that is I, I, I'm encouraging you that um, I know sometimes you know we give to different things throughout the year. If you only just have a dollar, give to it, because I want you to be a part of this blessing that's going to take place in Cairo. It is absolutely amazing. The stories are just horrific in what we're hearing, uh, but they are so redemptive in what God is doing, and I want us all to be a part of that as we prepare to take that offering up on Christmas Eve. Let's pray, and we're going to get started. Father, thank you, because you are good. Lord, we ask that you would speak to us now in these moments as we open your word to a familiar passage. Lord, would you speak to our hearts and minds, and Lord, would you do something in us? Would you stir us in such a way that we are stirred to action? Lord, we love you. We really do, and we thank you for loving us. In Jesus' good and powerful name, and everybody said, amen. Today, I want to talk about one of the greatest challenges that we have as Christ followers. Uh, it really is a big challenge. It's, it's an issue that is before us at all times. You know, if you look throughout scripture, you see uh, the number one challenge is the challenge of idolatry. Uh, idolatry is, you know, worshiping anything other than God or worshiping God for anything less than who he is. That's A.W. Tozer's quote. Uh, another challenge throughout scripture is the challenge of remembering. Over and over, we're told to remember who God is. So many times as individuals, even as whole generations, we forget who God is, what he's like, and what he does in our life. And what I'm talking about today is one of the greatest challenges that we have as well. And that challenge that I'm speaking of is the challenge that we have in the reaction that we give to words like unpredictable, unforeseen, unanticipated, sudden, or phrases like not on the books, not bargained for, not in the cards, or again, words like astonishing, abrupt, stunning, staggering, unannounced, unheralded, startling, instantaneous, unplanned, eye-opening, or simply surprised. You see, if you look up the word unexpected, and if you click on synonyms, you're going to get all those words and phrases. And the truth is, is one of the greatest challenges we have in life is handling, managing, living with, living through the unexpected things that come. And if we're being honest, most of us want a safe faith, don't we? We really do. We like faith that's predictable. We like faith that does not push us too far out of our daily norm. We like faith that does not push us too far beyond what we're comfortable with. And herein lies the problem that we have as followers of Christ. 
The problem that we have is we have this God who loves to do the unpredictable, the unexpected. He actually likes to surprise us. You see, it's not a surprise to him. But when he moves in powerful ways in our life, it's normally a surprise to us. And listen, I know you've worked hard on your routine. I get it. You have your daily rituals from morning till evening that you go through. We all have them. We all have them. Whenever you find yourself running late for something, as you define late, (laughs) because that's different for everybody, right? But when you find yourself running late for something, you know that irritation that wells up in you? Yeah? We live with that. I know that many of you, when the sermon starts running long, you get antsy. You remember I can see you, right? (laughs) I can tell. The elbows, looking at the watch. It's like, oh, I'm on my Bible app. No, you're not, right? The problem that we have, again, is that we have this God who loves to do the unexpected. Think about the Christmas story so far. You just take the Christmas story itself, and you see one unexpected event after another. Mary, she experienced the unexpected favor of God. Joseph, he became the unexpected adoptive father. Elizabeth, she became an unexpected mother. Zachariah received the unexpected gift of a son. John the Baptist had this unexpected calling on his life. The angels, they had this unexpected assignment among the mortals. Caesar and Herod had unexpected challenges to their thrones. Simeon had this unexpected leading of the Holy Spirit into the temple one day. Anna had this unexpected prompting to give a prophetic word. The shepherds had this unexpected worship service out in the fields. It's just one event after another that is unexpected. But here's the thing. These surprises that we're reading about as we're reading through the Gospels in this life along the way journey, these surprises, they're not random. They're not random. They're not random for them, and they're not random for us. Proverbs 16.9 famously says, The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Or Psalm 37, verse 23, the steps of man are established by the Lord. And then he adds on when he delights in his way. One of the things that we must realize is that these surprises, these unexpected twists in our stories, in our lives, they come with a promise. It's actually a Christmas promise. It's given in the Christmas narrative in the Gospels. We see it in Luke 1, 76 through 79. This is where Zechariah is talking about his son, John the Baptist, and he's prophesying, and he says, and you, child, who will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord and prepare his way. It's exactly what John the Baptist did. You will give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness uh, forgiveness of their sins, and then, why is he doing this? Verse 78, because... Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the way of peace. To guide our feet into the way of peace. See, the promise that God makes us, and again, it's a Christmas promise, is that he will guide our feet 
into the way of peace. And he's speaking this at a moment throughout the narrative where it's one surprise after another, one unexpected event happening right after another, which tells us every time a surprise comes, so does God's guidance. Now, sometimes we're just shocked that we receive God's guidance to begin with, right? But what it tells us is that every time something unexpected comes, God is there to guide us. And most of the time, we receive that guidance in the midst of becoming to under or starting to understand the unexpected event that's happening in our life. Now, here's where the tension comes in, for being really honest. The tension here is that most of us would prefer God's guidance on the front end of a potential challenge, wouldn't we? Most of us would rather have God's guidance. Let, let's put it this way. Wouldn't you really appreciate a divine heads up before a challenge comes? I mean, I think we all would. We all would. Most of us would prefer God's guidance on the front end of a potential challenge instead of in the middle of or in the midst of a potential challenge. I think we would rather... More than that, we would rather that God would let us choose our challenges, if we're being really honest, or at least ask our permission, right? But when it comes to God's work in our life, this is where we need less ego and more wisdom. You see, wisdom is not having all the answers. Wisdom is knowing what to do when you don't have the answers. That's what wisdom is. Wisdom is knowing what to do when God's unannounced becomes announced in your life. And this is what leads me to the question this morning, and the question is simply this. We read this story in Matthew chapter 2 about the wise men, but my question is, what makes the wise men wise? Why do we call them wise men? These astrologer priests, these scholars probably from the Persia Empire who brought gold Gold, which is a gift for a king. Frankincense, which would be a gift for a priest. And myrrh, used in burial, that pointed to the sacrifice of the Savior. They brought these three very expensive gifts. Why do we call them wise? We know that Proverbs 2, 6 says, For the Lord gives wisdom, and out of his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. But how did these wise men apply their wisdom? I want you to notice the surprises that they had to navigate. Notice the surprises that they had to navigate. Surprise number one. Surprise number one was that Herod and the people, but Herod was not ready for the Messiah, was not waiting on the Messiah. The wise men go to Judea to look for the king of the Jews, and the king of Judea is not living with any anticipation that he's coming. Pick it up in verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, we got one king there, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Okay, we got two kings in one verse here. For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, notice what happened, he was troubled. He was troubled. Not only that, 
and all Jerusalem with him. So not only is Herod upset, not only is he troubled, he's internally disturbed, the whole city now is troubled. Verse 4, and assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. Verse 5, he told, they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people. We talked about that last week. Verse 7, then Herod summoned the wise men secretly, notice that, and ascertained from them. That word ascertain is a very interesting word. It means to inquire with exactness. We, don't, we, we use a different term today. The term that we use is interrogation. That's what he did. He ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Now right here, Herod's insecurity is flying all over the place. You ever been around someone when their insecurity is showing and they don't know it? That was funny. That was good. Right here, Herod, what's going on in his life, these actions that he's showing us, he's showing us what's really going on in his heart. Four quick things here about Herod. Number one, Herod was more concerned about his position than he was the prophecy about the king. That's why when he hears that people are looking for the king of the Jews, he is troubled. Number two, Herod, because of his insecurity, he felt threatened by anyone who could be king. All of a sudden, he starts pulling people in. Where is this person supposed to come from? What town are they going to be born in? He's asking all these questions. Number three, Herod used his power against anyone who he saw as a threat. That's why he summoned the wise men in to begin with. Now there's a threat on the horizon. He wants to know more about that. Number four, Herod used people, in this case the Magi, for personal gain. He sends them out. He says, you go find the child, but make sure you come back and tell me And I imagine that the Magi, these wise men, were surprised. They did not expect the king of Judea to not be expecting the king of the Jews. And right here they ran into disappointment. I mean, of all people, the people of Judea should be living and waiting with anticipation, and they're not. They're not. That's surprise number one. Herod and the people were not ready. For the king to come. Surprise number two is that while Herod and the people were not ready, surprise number two is that when the wise men make it to Joseph, Mary, and Jesus, they're welcomed and their worship is accepted. Notice what happens in verse 9. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. Verse 10. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly and with great joy. And going into the house, notice the house, not the manger. He's in a house at this point. Could be up to a year and a half later after Jesus was born. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. There are the three gifts. Now, right here as we're reading this, normally we get caught up in those gifts, and they're very good, and they're very important, and there's a lesson to be learned in them. But what amazes me, what shocks me, is that these three, maybe, 
wise men go in and their worship of this little child is accepted. Think about it. There are at least three major barriers separating these so-called wise men and Mary, Joseph, and Jesus. At least three. Number one, there's an ethnic barrier. The Magi, they are Gentile elites. Well, Mary, Joseph, and Jesus, they're just humble Jewish peasants. The second barrier would have been educational. The Magi, they were scholars, very well educated. Mary and Joseph, they would have been probably considered common. And then there's an economic barrier here. The Magi, the wise men, they're wealthy, very wealthy. You can tell by their gifts. Mary and Joseph, not so much. Not so much. Now, here's the thing. It would not be surprising. It would not be surprising at all to have the lowly worshiping the socially exalted. That wouldn't be surprising. The surprise is, is that you have the exalted, the well-educated, the privileged, the prosperous caravan of kings worshiping the lowly. You see, we become so familiar with this, we just read right over it. We just read right through it. Every year we come back to it. Just picture that in your mind. Wealthy people from a distant place, crowns and scepters bowing down to a child. And the family accepts the worship. You know, we should never lose our shock and awe that God accepts our worship. It's amazing. It's amazing. We come with all that we've earned and all that we are and all that we do and all that we think we are. And we really just come with all of our pride. And yet, God in his love accepts our worship. I was talking to a friend of mine this week I was going to see my family Friday and Saturday. He was going to see his on Saturday. So we were talking about families, right, and the things that families do. And he told me, he said, you know, he told me the person in his family, he said, the person in my family, by the way, this person didn't go to our church, just so you know, but he said, uh, there's a person in my family that every day when he woke up, he looked in the mirror and he said, wow, the world is lucky to have me. I said, Jay, he didn't say that every day. He said, every day. Every day. You see, if we're not careful as Christians, if we're not careful, we could get to the place where we become too comfortable and prideful in ourselves to where we walk in here and we just think, wow, God is lucky to have me. It doesn't matter what we have in life, just like these wise men, we should never lose that shock and awe and surprise that God would let even me Come in and worship him. First shock, Herod and the people were not ready. Second unexpected thing that happens is they get to walk in and worship the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. First Gentiles to do it. The third one, the third surprise, is simply God said. God said. Remember the text, verse 12? It says, and being warned in a dream... Not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. You know, I don't think the surprise was so much, don't go back to Herod. Everybody knew Herod. 
And if they didn't, they knew of Herod. I think the surprise was that God said, don't go back to Herod. While they've been searching the scriptures for guidance, they obviously knew the prophecies. They've been searching the stars for guidance. Now, God has spoken directly to them in a dream. I don't know if God had ever done that before to them. I really don't know. But what I know is that in this moment, God spoke to them so clearly, so clearly, that they obeyed. My original question, what makes the wise men so wise? I think what made the wise men wise is that they listened to God when they were surprised. They listened to God when the unexpected was happening in their life, which raises the question for you and me and is, what do we do? What do we do? When the unexpected happens in our life, when God brings the unexpected into our life, when God's plans interrupt our plans, how do we respond? You see, while the routine and mundane things in life, they can teach us a lot, they can test us, they can build our faith. One of the hardest tests in life is when the unexpected parts of God's plan interrupts our perceived reality. It's so hard. So hard. It's when the unpredictable clashes with our propensity for predictability. When that happens in our life, when God's plan interrupts our plans, that's when we see who our faith is really in. And that's what we've been seeing through the whole Christmas story. Just think about it. Mary, she was the one who received the unexpected favor of God. How does she respond? Luke 138, behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Joseph, the unexpected adoptive father, how did he respond? Matthew 124, when Joseph woke from sleep, God spoke to him in a dream. He did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. Elizabeth, the unexpected mother, how did she respond? Luke 1.25, the Lord has done this for me, she said. Zechariah, the unexpected gift of a son, how did he respond? Once God spoke to him, Luke 1.63, he stood, he declared his name will be John. One of the first words he could speak, saying he will live into his calling and prepare the way for the Messiah. John the Baptist, his son, had this unexpected calling on his life. How did he respond? Luke 3, 4. I am the voice crying in the wilderness, John said. Simeon, this unexpected leading of the Holy Spirit to go into the temple one day. How did he respond? Luke 2, 30. My eyes have seen your salvation. Anna, giving this unexpected prophecy, word of prophecy in the temple on that same day. How did she respond? Luke 2, 38. She began to speak with all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. The shepherds, this unexpected worship service out in the field, how did they respond? Luke 2, 15. Let us go and see this thing that the Lord has made known to us. What we see throughout the Christmas story so far is that God does the unexpected and then he has people who are willing to respond and go and follow his leading. While the unexpected surprises in our life are not random, they're carefully crafted by God's hand, the question is how will we respond when the unexpected happens? Notice verse 12 again. It says, and being warned in a dream not to go to Herod, they departed to their own country, notice, by another way. By another way. Here's the question. 
The question is, are we willing to go another way simply because God said so? Are we willing to not go with our plan simply because God said so? See, what the first Christmas is communicating to us, what it's telling us, is that this kind of guidance is available for everyone. It's available for everyone. It started with the shepherds. Go see what I've done. They went and saw it, the poor, the lowly. It went to the elites, Gentile elites, the magi, the wise men. They went and saw. You know what happens next in the story? After the wise men, God speaks to Joseph. Tells him, Herod's really mad. You need to go to Egypt. What does Joseph do? He takes Mary and Jesus and they go to Egypt. You see, what we see time after time in the Christmas story, God does the unexpected. He gives guidance in the midst of the unexpected and then people follow. Which means no matter how we would define our place in life or our stage in life, no matter how we would define that, every one of us are good candidates for God's guidance. Every one of us. All it takes is willing obedience to follow. That's it. That's it. I don't know what you're navigating. I don't know what unexpected things God's bringing into your life right now. But the one thing I can tell you is that when the unexpected abruptly shows up in your life, so does God's guidance through that unexpected every single time. The question is, are we willing to go another way simply because God said to? I'll let you think about that over your Christmas break. Father, would you help us not just read the Christmas story, but would you help us see moment after moment when you do something so unexpected, you also provide the guidance that we need. Lord, I want to pray for the one who may be sitting in the room or watching online who is terrified right now. They're not sure it's you, but something unexpected has happened. Lord, I pray for your guidance in the midst of that. And Lord, as simply as I ask for it, I know that you're going to give it. And for all of us, Lord, as your what seem to be unpredictable plans happen. I pray that we would remember that those plans have been making their way through eternity right down to a moment in time in our life and they're not surprised, a surprise to you. So in those moments, may we take a deep breath and say with all of these in the Christmas story, here we are, Lord. We're available. Do with us what you will. Lord, let that be our heart. Let that be our prayer. 
May we live it. May we live it. In Jesus' name, amen.